Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the Cashflow Hacking Podcast with Casey Stubbs, where you will learn the tips, tricks, and strategies to increase your cash flow. And now to your host, Casey Stubbs. Hello, this is Casey Stubbs from the Finance and Markets Cashflow Hacking Podcast. And today we're with Katie Welsh, who is the founder of Chain of Wealth, and she helps people get out of debt and to grow their wealth. Hi, Katie. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. So you like to help people get out of debt and you give them tips and tricks and you host your own podcast as well on the Chain of Wealth. Um, how did you get involved in starting the chain of wealth? It's actually kind of a bit of a funny story and a bit of like a realization of my own nightmare. So when I moved from Florida up to Virginia to live with my boyfriend and we kind of had that conversation of, so what do your finances look like? And his were fine. He had no debt. He had all this money and savings and everything. And then I was like, like a hurricane. Like I just had stuff everywhere. I had like tons of debt that I'd never really thought of as debt. And he's like, we need to get this under control. And so slowly but surely, like with learning different things and paying off my debt and talking to my friends and my family, it seemed like everybody was in the same kind of situation that I was in. And being a teacher previously, I wanted to make my experience count and really try to help other people. Okay. Well, that, that's pretty good. So based on the learning that you went through, you now want to teach others. Um, When you first had that conversation about your getting your finances in order and under control with your boyfriend, did you agree with him that that was a really important thing that you needed to do? Or was there any resistance that you didn't think there was any problem with having all that debt? Uh, no, like there was, I wanted to get out of debt. Um, like I'm not a big spender. I didn't have credit card debt. Like it's not like he was saying, you know, you can't go get your nails done. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And I was fighting with him over it. It was like, why haven't you been paying back your student loan? Like, and I told him like, I, it was so much money. I didn't, as a teacher, having a mortgage and a car payment, honestly, I didn't have the leftover money to be paying my student loan. So I just kept deferring it and honestly kind of hoping that it would just go away, um, which <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> um, but we were both in agreement. I wanted to be out of debt. I just didn't think that there, I didn't think it was really possible because I had you know, a mortgage and this horrific car loan where I had all this negative equity and the car payment was like, I was driving a Honda and it should have been like a Maserati basically. And I just didn't know enough to be able to get out of it. So he kind of like 
built this plan for me. And he said, if you do this and this and this, you will be debt free within the next couple of years. And that's what I've done. Okay. So you, at that time you had $200,000 worth of debt and have you paid any of that off right now? I have, I've actually paid off quite a bit. So I, when I moved to Virginia, I owned a town home in Florida and so the immediate decision was, well, I don't live there anymore and I don't really want to deal with the hassle of renting it. So I sold the house and thankfully I made enough money off of the house that I was able to buy my way out of the negative equity with my car. And the car was the big thing. I was $50,000 in debt with my car because the car was $30,000 and then the negative equity that, long story short, I co-signed for somebody and it turned into a big nightmare, um, was $20,000. So the money from my house was able to buy my way out of the car. So right away, like those two things were gone. And then I was able to apply for the teacher loan forgiveness program for my loan. And since then, I have paid off about $12,000 since about December-ish. So I've got about $26,000 left to pay. Wow, that's pretty fast. That's pretty amazing. So after the $26,000, you are going to be completely 100% debt-free? Yes. And I'm super excited. It's definitely been like a whirlwind. Like when I th sit down and think about it, it's like, man, no wonder I'm tired all the time. Like it's been like so busy all the time between the podcast and the blog and paying off all this debt and learning all this different stuff, but it's definitely been fun. And I'm super looking forward to being debt-free because then I can actually start growing my net worth and saving for things and being a little bit more responsible with my money. Okay. So I want to just go back knowing now what you know, what you've learned about paying off debt, would you start over doing the same thing and go to college and get yourself into $200,000 in debt? College was a really fun time, but I don't think I would. I think I would have first applied for scholarships going into college because when I was 17, like money was the last thing on my mind. And when I was in college, like applying for loans and everything, like obviously I'm like not naturally a super financial like genius. It never occurred to me that I was really going to have to pay the money back. So I don't think I would have taken out as much as I did. Um, and then definitely after graduating, I would have started paying my loan back quicker. Because I've been graduated for a long time now. Like I, if I would have started then, like how I am doing now, it would have been gone years ago. Yeah, I'm always a, a person that likes to think about college as if you really absolutely have to put all that money into it or is there another way you could do it can you work and pay it off as you go can you go a little slower is it really necessary to take all that debt is it really necessary to to get two hundred thousand dollars in debt and then end up working at walmart which i see a lot of people doing right. uh, so i think that young people, and I, I like your mission is, is for young people, is to help them really think about these things before they do it, just because everybody else is doing it. They don't really know what to do. Their parents don't know what to do. Their parents are saying, 
you know, we want you to go to college. Uh, there could be pressure there to go to college, pressure to take the loans on. Even even the high school's pressuring them. The colleges are pressuring them. Uh, so it can be probably a, a, it's a good mission to be able to educate people on that. Yeah, well, and the my I came from like a similar type of situation. I came from a single parent family, and you know, my mom always really wanted an education, so she kind of like went through life like always telling us like you're going to college, you're going to college. But being a single parent, like there was not a lot of extra money to put towards saving for the college. And, you know, my brother went straight into college and then went to grad school and he was doing great. So kind of like the expectation was, okay, well, I'm going to do that now too. But I, even my high school didn't really share like different alternatives. Right. It's almost like it's the only choice that you have. And I actually didn't, go to college and I'm really thankful that I didn't actually. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I take it back. I went for about a month and then I said, this is not my deal. And so I joined the army because they had recruiters on campus. I don't know if they had that on your, at your yeah. college, but I just started talking to those guys. I'm like, I'm out of here. And yeah. I'm really glad that I, that I bailed. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as of what you're doing right now, you, I noticed there was a blog post you had where you said you made $7,000 in six months and you didn't even have a job. How, how do you accomplish that? Like, I think people listening to this, they're trying to make some extra money. They don't have anything going on. They're stuck in their job. Like, how do you do that on the side? I want to say that we were really creative, but we weren't. Uh, we signed up to be Airbnb hosts. So I didn't have a job moving up to Virginia and I felt very uncomfortable not having any money coming in, even though I had savings. And um, Dennis said that he, you know, would pay for the rent and everything, but I wanted to have something going on of my own. So I made an Airbnb listing. We had an extra bedroom where we lived and it was absolutely beautiful. We lived near the Metro. It was like prime location. So we made a profile and people just started flooding in like constantly. We always had people staying with us. And it was actually, I was, I won't lie. I was really hesitant at first. Like, "Mm, not really sure about these people. Like, I don't know who they are and they're in our apartment. And, but it was actually a lot of fun. It was much safer. Like I thought that there would be times where like, I wouldn't want to be home alone with the guest, especially if he was like a grown man or something. And I never felt that way. We had our guests were all like background checked and we had their IDs on file and we only allowed people with great reviews coming in. And it was a really, really enjoyable experience. We got to talk to people from all over the world. A couple of people we went out to dinner with, we grabbed a drink with them, or sometimes we would just have like a glass of wine in the living room and just getting to hear their stories was a lot of fun. And then because we did enjoy it so much, We became like super hosts right away, it felt like. And we were talking to friends who, because we were doing so well with it, they started trying it and they were not having the same kind of luck. So my boyfriend is super entrepreneurial and he's like, you know, maybe you should create a course, how to become an Airbnb host and how to take the pictures and like different things that kind of set you apart that you're just doing. Apparently not everybody knows it. So I created a a course called Hosting Your Pad. 
And that is how um, we're still with Airbnb, but right now we're living, we're, we're not Airbnb physically because we have moved to a one bedroom apartment, but that is how it was just so quick. Okay. So, so the, the revenue came from the, the Airbnb or from the course or both? From the Airbnb. So okay. the post where it was like six, $7,000 in six months was where we got the idea for the course. That was straight, like people coming and staying with us. Well, that's pretty cool. And I actually yeah. uh, have done something like that myself. Um, I don't use Airbnb. I use um, uh, VRBO, Vacation Rental by Owner. It's a oh. similar. But um, I bought a house that had like a mother-in-law cottage on it. And it was really big, um, a big mother-in-law cottage. And, <laughs> a lucky um, mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. And so my wife and I just furnished it. We put furniture, we put a nice big screen TV, we decorated. So we put a lot of money into the, the, the cottage and then we put it on VRBO, vacation rental by owner, and we marketed it as a vacation rental. Uh, so hmm. it's like, okay, you're, you're traveling. You, do you want to stay at a hotel or do you want to stay at our home? You know, you can have up to 10 guests, you can uh, eat dinners, you can watch TV, you can hang out. There's a nice, beautiful view because we're out in the country. And so it's a much yeah. more attractive um, offering than a hotel room. And the price is a little more than a hotel room but not much more. Uh, so you're getting all that additional value. And we, uh, when we did that, it was a new property that we paid for, but it's since we've moved in, in 2013, it has totally covered our mortgage payment. So wow. we're not, we're not, we haven't paid the house off. We're not out of debt, but we're not paying rent. So we're living for free with a little bit of net profit actually. Yeah. And that was the great thing with our Airbnb there were a couple months where it paid out. It always paid at least half of the rent. Um, but there were some months where it did pay like all of the rent. And that was such like a, a big help because it's, it's expensive to live places. Hello, this is Casey. And I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book, that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. It sure is. And, and I like to think entrepreneurially as well. Like if I'm moving into a property, I'm like, okay, how can I make money from this? You know, I, I want to be funded 
like even if you're like in my area, there's a lot of duplexes uh, mm -hmm. in the Pittsburgh area. It's real common. It's like just if you're going to get a house, get your first house, get a duplex, rent the other side out and let them right. pay your rent. Why pay mortgage when you can have someone pay it for you? Right. Because our Airbnb was doing so well. We were talking about it to Dennis's parents who live in South Africa and they're like, I wonder if it would be okay to try it down here. And since they have been trying it too, every time we talk to them, they have people staying for like two, three weeks uh, who are traveling and want to see the country. And, you know, they kind of stay with them and then they'll go away for a couple of days and then they kind of use their house as like a landing base when they're traveling. And it, it's just such a good idea that I'm so glad finally somebody thought of it. So for people that are, in debt right now um, and struggling with debt, what are some things that you would recommend to them to try to help them overcome that obstacle of, of, cause you know, like you said, you were in 2000, 200,000, like that's a huge mountain. That's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. You could maybe just throw up your hands in the air and say, I, this is too much for me. What do I do? Like, so what, what could you recommend to people in that situation? Yeah, I definitely can relate. Like when I found out I was in so much debt, like the first thing that went through my mind was like, how did this even happen? Like, how did I get myself into this kind of situation? Like, I know it sounds like kind of ridiculous, but it was kind of by like accident. So to help other people, first you have to list out what are your decks actually? Like everything that you're having to make a payment on, what are they? And then look at your budget. And if you don't have a budget, you need to make one. And then track your spending, give yourself like, like an allowance for fun things. Like you don't want to cut yourself off completely and say like, okay, well, I'm only paying my debt back and I'm not spending money anywhere else. That won't work. If you like going out with your friends or doing something special, you can still do that, but you have to cut it back. Allow yourself a certain amount per month and then everything else needs to go towards your debt. So my Best advice is to track your spending and see where you can make some changes. And then also getting a side hustle like Airbnb or driving for Uber or walking your, your neighbor's dog with wag, something like that is such a big help. Yeah. I think though, I think that's those two tips are really good ones. Like tracking is really important. Most people don't realize what they spend until they start tracking, right? Because you think that you're doing fine or you think you have no money, but with the actual reality of the situation is usually much different than the perception and you don't begin to actually see the real picture until you're tracking it. Um, and then again, also the side hustle is really big. Um, I, I read a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a fantastic book it talks about saving 10% first living below your means. So if you're making whatever you make live, only spend 90% and then mm -hmm. take that 10% to earn extra revenue. Like you said, this, this, the side hustle or something, you know, whether it's real estate, Bitcoin, uh, a, just anything, stocks, whatever, just find something, start a new business, find something to generate extra revenue. And then you take that, the profits from that and then you roll it back in again and then you you're always then that grows into another stream and then you you have multiple streams of additional revenue coming in and that really will accelerate you long term into being 
having a healthy financial situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think I read somewhere that like the average millionaire has like seven streams of income at one time. And, you know, I don't have seven streams, but I have like a couple and I've all looking back, even with all that, debt, I've always kind of had like a second job or something that I was doing on the side. And now after reading that book, me and a couple of my friends, like we compare our side hustles, like how many are, do you have going on right now? And you know, when I tell my friends that I've picked up something else, they're like, oh, so how many is that for you now? Like, you're always doing something. And I've also read that, like, the average American will spend about four to five hours a day watching TV. Like, that's a lot of time. And if you even cut that down by half and you only watch TV for two hours a day, you could find something to really do with your time that makes it worthwhile. You could start a business, you could, you know, drive for Uber, you, you could do anything that could make money. It's so easy to make extra money these days with all the different apps going on that it's shocking when I talk to people and they have nothing, like they're not driving for Uber, they're not doing Airbnb, they're not walking somebody else's dog, they're not grocery shopping for somebody. Like, what are you doing with all your free time? <laughs> Right. Well, you just answered that question. You said four to five hours of TV or more. Right. And, and, and part of the problem is TV is addictive and it also rots your brain away. So that's part of the problem. But yeah. So I think another thing that you mentioned that's really powerful is you said that you're talking with your friends about how you're advancing your financial situation. So if you're in a position where your finances are bad, look around at your personal community your, your close circle of friends. And if they're all bad in that area, then you're more than likely going to be bad in that area. And I'm not saying just to treat your friends like a jerk and say, you guys are losers. I'm out of here. But you do want to try to develop relationships with people that have similar interests and people that have had some victory in that area. Because usually the people that you hang out with, you're going to have a similar situation. Definitely. You are definitely the company that you keep. And usually talking about like your student loans or your debt or anything like that doesn't typically come up at like happy hour. Like nobody wants to talk about that, but we've made it to a point. At least I feel like it's not awkward anymore talking about money before I used to always shy away from it. I didn't want to talk about it, but now I feel like, well, first of all, like basically I feel like my entire financial life is on my website but I don't feel like it's an awkward thing to talk about anymore. Like you have this problem. It's not a negative thing on you. It's just something that you have right now. Like talk, let's talk about it. Like I'll tell you what I think. You can tell me what you think. What are you thinking? And it's a way, if you can't talk about it with your friends and your family, who are you going to talk to it about? Like if you have money problems, you probably don't want to go pay to talk to like a financial planner or something. Let talk about it here first, and then you can kind of get an idea, and then you can go talk to an expert about it. Well, I would say that you don't really want to, I mean, I wouldn't want to talk for free about, about my finances to someone who is in a really bad financial situation. So, yeah. because they're probably not going to give you a whole lot of good advice. You, I'm all about getting free counsel. Just get it from the right people. Make sure that these yeah. people are walking the walk. Yeah, you don't want to be getting your financial advice from somebody who is in even a worse situation than you. Right. And uh, so 
on your website, you're sharing all of your financial information and that could be a little challenging or, uh, but have you found that that's helped you learn how to manage your finances better and help you with your discipline and help give you maybe a little more vision for your own finances? Yeah, it was definitely, I was very apprehensive to share it at first to put out there like I'm in this much debt and this is what I've done. I did not want to do it at all. But then looking at other people's blogs, other people had done it and nothing negative had come from it. In fact, sharing my debt and everything, I actually just got a text message from a friend who she was like, you're down to $26,000. I heard you talking about on your podcast. That's so great. You're going to be out of debt in no time. And I originally thought it was going to be looked upon as negatively, but now it seems like it's only positive. People are only cheering you on. They're sharing their stories with you. And it's a great way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And you can help other people along the way. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing that you started out and, and did that. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the show, but I want to give the, the listeners a chance to get in touch with you or to find out um, where your stuff is located at, where they can hear your podcast. So how, how should people who are listening uh, try to find you? Yeah. So you can look us up on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast um, at Chain of Wealth. You can find us at our website, Chain of Wealth, and on Twitter at Chain of Wealth. Basically, okay. Chain of Wealth for everything. <laughs> okay. So on, the, on your site, Chain of Wealth, what, what types of stuff besides the podcast do you have on there for people? Re, do you have resources for people to help them get out of debt or help, help them manage, manage their finances? Yeah, we have different um, ideas on how you can you know, quickly save some money, whether it's at the grocery store, just around the house. Um, there are different um, blog posts about how to start like a cryptocurrency. If you want to get into that, there is my personal story of, you know, just getting to Virginia and then getting all the like kind of grappling and coming to terms with all the, all the debt that I had. And I am working right now on a post of where I've reached out to a lot of personal finance experts and I ask them, what is something that somebody who's paid off a major debt, what are two things that they need to know? And I came up with that question because I paid off my car and got rid of the car uh, back by like Thanksgiving. And last week I got a phone call from the creditor and they're like, uh, you owe us all this money. And I was like, no, I don't. I paid the car off. And it kind of just popped in my head. Like it, I paid the debt off, but I didn't realize there were things to do after the debt was gone that I should have done. And so I reached out to a bunch of people. I got a ton of great advice and I'm super excited to be posting that soon too. Well, that sounds pretty interesting, but now you got me really confused because if you pay something off, what else was there? Like, right? I don't know what's going on here. What happened? (laughs) So the bank opened a savings account in my name that I didn't know about. And because they were sending me a statement, they were charging me $5 every month, but I didn't know about this account that they had until I looked at this statement, I moved. So like it got like shuffled in the, in the crosshairs, I guess. And I was like negative on this account. And I called them. I was like, how do I have a negative balance? I paid the car off months ago. Like, I don't even have the car anymore. Like this was supposed to be done. And I didn't 
know that there were things to do afterwards. So that was like a shock to me. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good that you're learning that. It sounds like a good, good content piece for people to check out. So if you guys are listening and you want to check it out, go to chainofwealth.com and listen to Katie and she'll tell you all about how, what to do after you pay some debt off. Well, thanks uh, again for showing up on the show and congratulations on your website and on your podcast. Very exciting stuff. Keep up the good work. And I think you got great things ahead for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cashflow Hacking Podcast. If you want to get the show notes, just visit our podcast page at financeandmarkets.com. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.